Okay, ladies and gents, welcome to the last session of the first day. I hope you've had a good day so far. Uh, this is Sean Ross. He's the VP of Radio and Programming at Edison Research, and he's got a number of things he'd like to tell us based on, the, on his findings of the, of the research projects that he does. So, Sean, it's over to you. Good afternoon, everybody. I know I'm keeping people from cocktails, so I'm going to move through this 11, set of 11 things quickly. I do have 11 things I want to tell you. Some of them are about programming, which is my lifelong passion. Some of them are about radio's future. In some regards, I have seen the future like Prince says, and it sort of works. Um, I come from North America. Things have happened there that haven't happened here yet, but the pattern is clear. So I'm going to share some information with you this afternoon. Um, Maybe it'll just be a good story. Maybe it will resonate with you. You'll decide. Um, if you do think what I have to say resonates, I have some thoughts on what radio should do next. I think it's hard to move forward with the appropriate sense of urgency in this business and deliberation. When things are good, it's hard to be urgent. When things are not good, it's hard to be deliberate. I care a lot about the future of radio. I've been in radio my whole life. My father has a tape of me at age four saying I want to grow up to be head of music uh, at a radio station. And I never did that, but um, I've had some great jobs in the business. Like anybody lucky enough to have one job in American radio, I have several. I started my career as a journalist covering the business for an American trade publication called Radio and Records. Uh, I went from there to Billboard. I went from there to Edison Research. Edison does some studies that you've heard a lot about today. The Infinite Dial, Cher Revere. Um, Edison also works independently with radio stations all over the world. Um, I've been privileged to work with stations um, from Canada to South Africa, um, and every format in between. And one of the things you find out is that formats are connected, radio is connected. Uh, I, also write a bit, I also write a newsletter for the radio business called Ross on Radio. You can find it at my, twi at my Twitter feed, Ross on Radio. Uh, and if you sign up there, you will then know me by my trail of spam. <laughs> so I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of great projects in the business. For me, radio is connection. Um, radio is my family. Radio is the way I make friends with people. Radio is a shared experience for many of us. Um, and I have found out that radio is connected. One station in town changes format. Um, maybe another station changes format as a result. Maybe a station in another market changes format to copy the station that didn't want to change format but had to change format. Things are connected. I'm going to say again, this is a room of people from widely varying circumstances, widely in your markets, very different territories. Um, most of what I'm going to tell you is what I've seen in U.S. radio. U.S. radio is healthy, but it is not 
untouched by fragmentation. And the dialogue I've heard there um, is a dialogue that I've participated in from the US to Canada to Australia, and people say a lot of the same things. Radio here is healthy. Radio here is not fragmented. We don't have the same number of competitors. We don't have the same access to broadband for digital to really take hold. We don't have the same access to cheap data. And then they say, but the teens don't listen. The young people, they're not so interested in radio. Somehow, all of those things are true, and yet, some people are already finding another way to get content and entertainment. So, the future is yours, if this in any way resonates. The future is yours to shape, because all of these things are true. 29% of Americans no longer own a radio at home. They still listen in the car. They still might listen at work. They might stream, but they no longer have an AM FM radio. 50% of 18 to 34s do not have a medium wave FM radio. Music discovery, radio breaks music, right? Radio has not been number one for music discovery since 2016, according to the infinite dial. Something else we're seeing. Older skewing formats are increasing, like classic rock in America. Oldies, the format that plays 70s and 80s. National public radio. Those stations are at the top of the ratings in most markets, and it's not because their listening has gone up, it's because listening to youth formats has gone down. And as a result, their share is greater. So if you want to be concerned, there are things to be concerned about. And yet, this is true also. There is an Edison research study called Share of Ear. We compare AM, FM radio to the amount of time that people spend with streaming audio, with their own music collections, with Sirius XM satellite radio. How many people in this room are familiar with Sirius XM? Sirius XM is essentially paid subscription DAB. It's not digital radio. It's satellite, but they offer, a hundred, they offer a suite of 150 channels that you subscribe to. Uh, and because of them, DAB has never really gotten off the ground. It exists, but it's not a major force in the US. People actually pay $10 a month um, and subscribe to SiriusXM instead. So AM, FM radio is diminished but still the biggest piece. Um, Sirius XM offers a lot of choices that don't make sense for individual broadcasters. They offer a smooth jazz channel, a Broadway channel, a 60s channel, a 40s channel. Um, they are the home of Howard Stern. Um, and it sort of proves that people want choice. 
but 8% of American listeners want this kind of choice, and 51% are happy with AM-FM radio. So AM-FM is diminished, but not demolished. Uh, the other thing is that AM-FM still reaches 93% of the 18-plus audience. We still have the cue. We still have people listening. As long as you have people listening, you can get their attention. As long as you have people listening, they still want to like you. The other thing is that I've actually had a really good time working in American radio over the last year. I work with great companies like Entercom, which just took over the CBS radio stations. Uh, back in November, they launched three big stations in three hours, and I got to be part of that. But I also worked with a small market broadcaster in the American Midwest, and he wanted to put on a station that played 90s oldies. Will Smith, Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, People like to hear the music of their childhood. The first time you give them the music of their childhood, it's a big deal. Um, people were coming up to this guy in Wisconsin. He would go out for a beer week after week, and people would come up to him in the pub and thank him for this radio station. So my advice to you, my million rand advice is, play more Spice Girls. Um, but if you, if you give people something they don't have on the radio, they respond to it. Radio still does a lot of things really well. I think radio programs music better than anybody else. I think radio provides companionship that Spotify doesn't provide, and they don't try to provide. I think radio gives you a sense of place when they do it well. Um, Music discovery, that's a discussion that's coming up. We have great ears for music, we don't always use them anymore. Showmanship and the shared experience. Um, when Justin Timberlake Can't Stop the Feeling came out, it came out at 6 a.m. American time and everybody knew it by noon. Uh, there is a new Justin Timberlake single that literally came out an hour ago. I just found out, so, you know, for the 4th of July in America, so we'll see how long it takes people to know that one. Broadcasters do the best radio. Nobody does radio better than broadcasters do radio. We just don't always do those things. We waste time on discussions that don't matter. One of the discussions that doesn't matter is who is radio? Are people in this room familiar with Pandora? Um, Pandora is essentially a music widget. Um, you can use it for continuous music. It doesn't have personality. Um, itself, Pandora is being fragmented in the States by Spotify now. For a long time, broadcasters said, Pandora is not our competition. Spotify is not our competition. They don't compete with us, they compete with your music collection. Actually, I've seen results, uh, and they work with both. They compete with both. You can't listen to them both. You can't listen to Pandora 
and listen to radio at the same time. That's not the issue. If they're listening to someone else, they're not listening to you. I think the real issue is that people love radio too much. Um, and they want more of it sometimes than we can give them through AM and FM radio. Maybe they want more than a few new songs every week, which is what most radio stations can play. Maybe they want the specialist channels that we were talking about. Somebody should provide that. Broadcasters haven't always had time to think about creating more radio. Broadcasters are too busy doing more with less and trying to handle the radio stations they've got. But if we don't supply it, somebody else will. If we don't supply choice on the stations we've got, sometimes the stations we've got aren't different enough from each other. Sometimes everybody's playing the same records every 90 minutes. If the top 40 station sounds like the adult contemporary station sounds like the hip-hop station because everybody is playing the same handful of records and playing them in heavy rotation, there's less incentive to listen. You came to the radio, you heard your favorite song, now it's over. You can do that even faster on YouTube. People want and expect choice. People need to start offering one-stop shopping. People need to offer podcasts. People need to offer playlists. People need to offer big formats. People need to offer niche formats. And ideally, they would offer them all in one place. A few years ago, I started noticing in the US that people would listen to iTunes for podcasts, um, and, then, um, and then they would go to Pandora for music. Now, I'm seeing people who listen to both podcasts and playlists on Spotify, uh, and they're cutting out radio entirely, and they're also cutting out Pandora and iTunes. People will find a way to hear what they want to hear. Um, I'm happy to say that every car I've gotten in here, the radio's been on. Um, in America, that's not always the case. I got in a cab a couple of years ago, and the driver was listening to smooth jazz. Smooth jazz is mostly not on the radio in America. It turns out he was streaming a YouTube playlist. He wasn't a YouTube playlist. He wasn't looking at YouTube. Um, he had just turned them on, and that's how he was replicating smooth jazz radio. He couldn't get it from radio. He found somewhere else to get it. And here's the thing. The people who want something other than we can offer it's not a big group. It's just enough to be felt if they go away. Remember, I said 8% of American listeners subscribe to satellite radio. Now consider this. You've seen Joan Warner a couple of times here, perhaps. Joan talks about the great work that Australian broadcasters have done. Australia has its own version of the Infinite Dial report, uh, and one of the things we found there is that listening to other choices than broadcast radio is 10% lower. That number, not so different from the 8% of people who subscribe. And the difference is, Australia has 
a viable digital tier. Australia does have DAB. The U.S. does not have DAB. England has DAB, but the U.S. doesn't. In the U.S., people pay for a substitute. And clearly, the major debate here is the viability of DAB. Some broadcasters want it now. Some people think it will never be practical. Um, again, you decide. If it were practical, it would be a very good safety valve for people who want other products. But maybe it shouldn't be that. Maybe it should be on the phone, but still created by broadcasters. Um, the solutions will come out of this room. But there is a number. It's about 10%. Um, when it leaves, radio won't die because American radio is living without that 10%. But you will be happier with that 10%. Nobody is budgeted to make 10% less money. One of the things we talk about, the youth audience. How do we pursue the youth audience? I used to think we needed more stations specifically targeted to the youth audience. I still think that's true, but I also think that when we have stations that appeal to the whole family, it does some of our job for us. Kids are distracted by the shiny new thing. Parents want to relate to their teenagers and their 10-year-olds through music. When the music is good, when the music is palatable to everybody, mothers put the radio on for their kids. How many people think the contemporary music is really good right now? How many people think the contemporary music is not as good as it was a couple of years ago? Um, you know, that's the general consensus. And, you know, when, when the pop music when the R&B music, when the contemporary music is mass appeal again, um, we won't necessarily start by bringing the young people back. We will start by bringing their moms back because at this point, they don't feel like they have the same incentive to put the radio on for their kids. If you don't feel the music is as good as it was a couple of years ago, choose better music. Take control of the music, if that's something you have a hand in at your radio station. Sometimes when the music isn't good, people try to play less of it. They play more recurrence, they play more oldies, they hold on to songs longer. If songs are mediocre, holding on to them longer is not necessarily the solution. Find better music, take control of it. Um, if you have a... If you have a relationship with the music companies, tell them what you need. Don't just play their priorities. Um, every radio station used to have a head of music who was known for flipping over singles in the old days and finding the real hit on the B-side, or going through a new superstar album and looking for the next great song from a given artist. That doesn't happen as much Radio will be better when it starts to happen again. Because there is more than one right way 
to do radio. You don't have to copy what other stations are playing. You don't have to copy what other stations are doing. When you work in radio research, people want an easy answer. People say, um, people say just tell me what to do. I want to keep my job. Um, I like to weigh the options. I like to play the chess game in every market. Uh, I think you come up with more creative solutions that way. This is an industry with a lot of copycatting. It's a very didactic industry. Um, it's not just that everybody plays the same records, it's that everybody feels they need to do the same thing on the breakfast show, in Morning Drive, for instance. Everybody used to do prank phone calls, wind-up calls. Then, uh, now everybody does a feature called the Second Date Update, um, which I'm told has come, to, has come to South Africa as well. Everybody used to do celebrity news, everybody and then everybody decided that people were tired of celebrity news, uh, and they moved on, and now uh, in America, everybody at 740 does a feature called Five Trending Topics. Um, there's more than one right way, and we need everybody's creativity. What does UX stand for? User experience. Radio has always been an experience. It's been a shared experience. Um, it is able to create, create experiences for listeners that they can't get on their own. We need to be conscious of remaining experiential. And we need to address one very specific element of the user experience, which is the commercial load. In America, um, one thing that is very similar is that the commercial load is about 12 minutes an hour, um, which feels like a lot when you are suddenly competing with people whose commercial load is four minutes an hour or less. We said more music, less talk, and people took us at face value on that. Uh, and now some people have upped the ante, and we need to respond to that. Listeners do consider good commercials to be a fair trade for free content, but they may not consider 13 minutes an hour, 12 minutes an hour, to be a reasonable trade going forward. We need to address spot load. Um, there's only one way to do it, um, with, that doesn't involve sacrifice, and that's by making more money for the commercials you do sell, uh, which I realize is easier said than done. The other thing we might consider, coming back to the issue of giving people more radio, is creating products for digital that don't have 12 minutes of commercials. UI, user interface, used to be simple for radio. Radio had an AM and FM dial. That was all of radio. It was relatively easy to use. How complicated are auto dashboards here in South Africa, the new ones? Because they're pretty complicated in the US. I see people nodding. Um, they are increasingly designed by people who do not have radio's best interests in mind, often without radio at the table. Radio is increasingly 
in the hands of people who entertain like engineers. Um, radio has to offer choice and it has to be able to organize it, whether that's on DAV, whether that's on the phone, whether that's on somebody's computer desktop. Does anybody know what this is? Um, it's a new soda machine that's, rarely, that's pretty common uh, in fast food places in North America. It's called the Coca-Cola Freestyle. This is just one screen. This is what you see after you've selected Coca-Cola, because you might choose flavored water. You might choose iced tea. You might choose Sprite. Once you choose Coca-Cola, you have another handful of choices. Uh, all in all, you have about 110 choices, different flavor combinations you might have. Um, but it's very easy to use. It looks great. It certainly reinvents the Coke machine. There was nothing more utilitarian than a Coke machine, right? So it makes me think that the dial can look like this going forward if we organize it well. One other aspect of UI to consider, and here it really is science fiction at the moment, but smart speakers are something to think about. Um, it's interesting um, how many people have been following the rise of smart speakers in America? Has anybody played with one? Um, you know, I've had a chance to play with one and I actually have had the opportunity to try South African radio stations and see what happens. Uh, in the US, about 18% of the population owns a smart speaker now more than twice this time last year. Um, people are buying smart speakers at a faster rate than people were buying smartphones when smartphones were new. The good news um, is that they might put radio back in the home because people don't own an AM, FM radio in the same numbers that they used to. The bad news is that they put everything else in the home. You might order a pizza, you might order an Uber, you might listen to Pandora, you might listen to Spotify. If you say to the Amazon device, Alexa, play me Rihanna, she will play you Rihanna, she will play you Rihanna from Amazon Music. Amazon Music subscriptions are going up. Uh, and they're going up at a pretty good rate for, for a service that didn't seem to be getting any traction this time last year. If you say, Alexa, play me Light FM, and New York has a big adult contemporary radio station called Light FM, for the first six months, Alexa played you a station called Light FM in Beirut. Um, there are lots of stations called KISS in America. There are lots of stations called Mix. There are lots of stations called Jack. It has taken broadcasters the better part of a year to get sorted. And it's true. I said, this will be different when you are talking to Alexa in South Africa because she will have the geographic information and that might determine what she's looking for. But in New York now, when you say, Alexa, play me Jack Aranda, that's a distinct name and it's easy to find. 
When you say, play me 947, there are lots of 94.7s. When you say, play me 5FM, there are a lot of 5FMs. So that's something we've got to consider. There are lots of issues. Um, how do we solve them? Joan Warner did an experiment of her own in Australia, and she said that about 29% of the requests found the right station the first time out. So we have to fix the UI issue. Let's wrap up this afternoon by playing a game of hangman. What's the missing letter here? Because there is no unity without you. <laughs> there is no I in team. Uh, unfortunately, there is one in radio. Um, this is a fiercely competitive business. It's part of our mystique. Uh, in America, the dirty tricks that people play on each other from competing radio stations, they're part of the legend. They're almost considered part of the fun of the business. There was an out-of-work program director in America. For a while, he had to take a job at Burger King, managing a Burger King. People said, can you believe Michael managing a Burger King? I can't believe it's true. I said, you'll know if it's true, because everybody who goes to the McDonald's across the street will have a bumper sticker put on their car. That is the history of radio in America, and I know it's competitive here too. Private owners compete with each other, private owners compete with the SABC. Um, I am hardened by some of the things I've heard in the last couple of days. People want unity and people want broadcasters to tackle the challenges together. Um, I've heard people in America say that too, and sometimes they're not sincere. Um, and if everybody at this conference is sincere about moving forward together, uh, I think that's great. One of the, uh, in America, one of the discussions is we need more radio stations. People can already own 3FMs, 4FMs, 5FMs, 5AMs. People want more. But no matter how many FMs you get, you will never have a monopoly. Uh, and yet, people get these 5FMs. That, uh, you can even have 6, 7, 8 if you use some community radio frequencies. Uh, and people cut rate and use rate to hurt each other. Um, it is time for unity. Competition, they say, makes people better. Sometimes wars of attrition just make people broke. Not better. Broadcasters compete with everybody. They shouldn't be played off against each other. Um, radio needs to be its own competitor. Thank you for letting me share 11 things that I want to tell you about radio. Um, I think the challenges are universal. Clearly the landscapes are different. I think people clearly have similar needs and desires. There we go. Um, I hope this resonates with you. I hope that the next time we meet or the next time this topic comes up, you say, some of these challenges happened and we knew how to deal with them. Some of these challenges happened and we said, not on my watch. Thank you. Enjoy your cocktails. Are there time for questions?
Um, I love to talk about programming. It doesn't have to be anything we've talked about that I've talked about this afternoon. Please ask me anything. Um, you mentioned something earlier about niche radio stations in the States. Uh, it's something that South Africans are fairly unfamiliar with because, um, well, because of the licenses that we have. Are the niche stations in the States winning? Or are the, are the, the, the stations that are catering for a much broader um, variety of people mostly, doing better? Yeah, mostly what's on the FM dial is the big mass appeal formats. Um, the niche formats are what exist on satellite radio or what you get by listening, creating your own YouTube or Spotify or Pandora music. That's the listening that I'm afraid of us losing. I went to the same dentist for 15 years. Uh, he always listened to Light FM in New York. One day I come in and I'm hearing, you know, this really soft music that I don't recognize. And I say, what are you listening to? And he says, it's my Andreas Bocelli channel on on Pandora. But, and then he holds up his iPad, I've got 12 others, would you like something else? Um, we should be the people offering him his Andreas Bocelli channel, and obviously it's not something that we want to do with our million dollar FMs, or our multi-million dollar FMs, but if he is going to listen, shouldn't it be to one of our products? Hey Sean, how are you? Um, I'm interested in the music problem that you touched on there in terms of music fragmenting and the stuff that's maybe popular right now is a little bit harder edge, that, that's yeah. tough. Um, we're a station targeting under 35 year olds, target 28 female, and what I find is that what the 25-34s are into and what the 15-24s are into, very, very different things. So we got this kind of problem where I can try and appeal to the 28 year old and keep the shareholders and the clients happy. Uh, or I can try and save radio by keeping young people interested in the music we're playing. What's the fix of the solution here? I think the fix is to look for tempo and energy. Um, there's, there's music in every genre that has tempo and energy, and there's a lot of music that is slow and minor key and unhappy, and those records are better when there's one of them and they provide some relief from the up-tempo poppy records. When you have seven or eight moody, down-tempo records in a row, um, you know, I don't think it, it helps any format, and that's what we're seeing now. I think you have to, if you decide to take control of the music, I would look for tempo, because that would, tempo and major chords were the common denominator when mothers and daughters agreed. There was one in the back there. Oh, there we go. Sean, a, a, a couple of years ago, there was a push to license a whole series of low-power um, broadcasters. Has, did that take off much? Has it made a difference to the landscape? There are two types of low-power broadcasters. There are community broadcasters who cannot accept ads. Um, there are also what's called FM translators. Um, they were meant to only boost the signal of stations that had certain geographic gaps in their coverage. Then they were used to help FM stations broadcast, sorry, AM stations compete on FM. Um, now they have been 
Um, commercial broadcasters have found a workaround, and when I say that some of them have six, seven, eight FMs, um, it's often these low power stations um, that they're using to further fragment the radial landscape. And some of those do have niche formats. Some of those will play country, American country music from the 70s. Some of those will play classic R&B from the 80s and 70s. But some of them just play commercial-free top 40 music, or well, not top 40, but the commercial-free mainstream music of some sort, and they're just meant to hurt a competitor uh, in their area of limited reach. So um, there are people who've done great things on low-power community radio. Um, there are some places that don't have certain type of stations like hip-hop, and broadcasters, community broadcasters have stepped in to fill the void and do very well. Um, but what's been more noticeable is people using low power to have more mainstream commercial radio, which was probably never the intent. And some people have used that well and some people have not. Time for one more? No, that's it. Cocktails. Yes, please. 